This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. This week, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth has arrived. Rocksteady finally gives us the much-needed Nintendo Switch patch update for Batman Arkham Knight. The Pokemon Company has announced the next Pokemon game. I give my thoughts on the debut of Peacemaker on Mortal Kombat 1 and Ed on Street Fighter 6. Meanwhile, Sony has begun layoffs of staff from some of your favorite studios. Then, in our final stage, I fight for the Holy Grail with my review of Fate Samurai Remnant for the Switch. All this and more in this Final Fantasy Friday edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live Extra. Select start. Welcome to the show to give you all the news, views, and opinions in the world of gaming. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live Extras. Select start with your host, Xavier Josiah. Power up and game on. Welcome back to another game-filled edition of Select Start, the video game podcast for ACMG Presents Talk Time Live and TalkTimeLive.com. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Yes, it is Final Fantasy Week. Final Fantasy Rebirth has arrived. And we'll talk a little bit about it because I just started. I got my first few hours in. There's no way in hell I'm going to review this day, and you know it. So we're going to review Fate Stay Remnant instead because i have more than enough time to play through that game and beat it and give you my thoughts on that next week i will definitely give my absolute thorough uh critique on there but do you does anybody need a crystal ball to predict the obvious on what that's going to be hell if you just heard the music alone by eric roth who conducted the awr music group at uh university of penn that's you know what you just heard it was chaos trying from final fantasy one um you know by my former guest eric roth uh the conductor of infinite intimate music uh final what is it intimate a new world intimate music of final fantasy and uh yeah it also when i do my scoring when i do my grading for music next week you don't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious you know i'm gonna give that 100 there's i'm spoiler alert like it's no that's just it <laughs> like i just spent like the first few hours of final fantasy 7 rebirth and immediately was drawn into the music alone uh we'll talk so much more about that next week just so much to talk about uh with that game and it's gonna be i haven't even scratched the surface yet you know it's just i talked to boris about this uh on the all elite geekly podcast which is available now on sunday nights and wherever podcasts are played you can check it out there 
and we talked about not only uh aew dynamite this week leading into aew revolution this weekend we talked about of course all things fandom acmg related type content but one of the things that you know i often talk about is how you think you're getting really deep into a game when it first started especially in open world action rpg experience and by like the hour and a half later you think you've gotten somewhere and then all of a sudden they showed the logo which means you only played the prelude to everything that's going on um i think i'm a little bit past the prelude stage i'm in chapter three right now of the game so uh so far some good i'm extremely impressed nobody's surprised at this um my favorite character so far probably will be red 13 because i've played the other ones before and they there are some slight changes with them combat wise but you know red 13 is a little bit uh new it's not even a little bit new he is new in terms of playable characters and i'm enjoying them so far i just got to the part where uh yuffie just came into the scene which is um uh something that you were able to play in a demo so i'm literally at that part right now and man there's just so many questions to ask and stuff that you need to be said like at the very beginning i won't spoil it for anybody but the very beginning is just it it hinders or ask it begs i that begs is the better um sorry, a better way of saying it it begs the question of what the hell is going on here <laughs> and it just they just dangled this proverbial carrot on for us to check out to get into the game more it's like okay how is this happening let's go in so we got a lot to you know deal with that in terms of a lot of things including zach so well i'm i'm, I'm so deeply in like once this show is over you know and i pay rent i'm absolutely going it is march 1st mind you and um you know i i'm immediately going to jump in i am so jumping into this whole experience right now but there's a lot of things that is happening this week alone and not a, in, in in addition to final fantasy rebirth releasing we got to talk about this huge huge and i mean huge in in every way um rocksteady you know the creators of the arkham games uh shout first of all before i even say anything shout out to rockstar uh, rocksteady um because i looked at their website and i'm this was awesome it is so diverse in that in that studio in terms of like just inclusion and, and people it, it looks like they truly have equal opportunity there were some designers and uh ux designers and, and think like there were more than just one black person that worked there they made sure they displayed multiple black people who worked in, in in really significant you know positions in that company so um with all due like shout out to rocksteady for that like seriously you know this is something that we need to see more i've been saying this for a long time and this will also lead in to a new talk time live exclusive episode coming hope it should be next week uh i'll announce it at the end but um we definitely definitely need more of this and shout out to them for you know just getting people who are actually qualified to get in there no matter who they are you know just if they're qualified that's dope hopefully that's the case that they gave them a chance based on their ability and they just happen to be you know person of color but it's just great to see us getting chances out there in major situations so you know shout out to them for that indeed but you know they've been getting a little bit of a hard uh, situation lately i mean with suicide squad killed the justice league of course um being a big flop 
and I mean a big flop. We talked about this on on a uh, Prime show, um, how you know WB Games has you know really just revealed in their financial meetings is it's not living up to the way that they uh, thought it was going to be. Well, I think they knew this way before. I I truly believe they knew this way before the game was released the first time when they you know when they delayed it. I truly believe that because they saw what happened with Crystal Dynamics. They saw what happened with Square Enix when they published Crystal Dynamics' uh, Marvel Avengers, which in hindsight and its core story, single player experience aspect, that game was fun. That game was awesome. But then they tried to do the live service thing and it bombed. And <laughs> for some reason, that wasn't a red flag for for WB Games and Rocksteady to be like, no, we need to push back. We need to, you know, delay it so we can make it a single player experience and not a live service. No, they stuck to their guns and they they were shooting blanks at the end because um, as a result, that game did not live up. Uh, and I'm still waiting for that. Two things. I'm waiting for two things. They put at the offline story to it um, in the story campaign and maybe on a, you know, on, on sale down the line. So they said it was going to, they were going to make all, uh, make the story campaign offline when they do. Um, that's when I jump in that literally, I, I do want to play that game. I do want to check out the story. I do want to hear Kevin Conroy's performances and everything. The alleged final performance, <laughs> which we now know is not the case. Um, so I, I am very vested into the game, regardless of the, Everything that is fumbled about the game. Now, along with that, there was something else that they came out with in the world of Nintendo. The Arkham Trilogy, which for the most part, everybody who's played has enjoyed about 75% of the uh, trilogy. And the 75% consists of Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, because both of those games were fantastic on a Switch. Like they looked great. Um, they played great. They sounded great. And then we got to Arkham Knight and there lies the situation. That was a hugely massive and elaborate game, you know, that came out for the PlayStation four, um, at the time when it was out, it was 50 gigs. It was roughly 50 gigs when it was out. And you, you know, it was, it was an open world you know, based around Gotham. And it was like, how is the Nintendo switch? And I think that's what everybody was thinking about too. It's like, okay, granted, we understand Arkham Solemn could possibly because of the timeline of when that released and the power, you know, based on, based off of the power of the Nintendo switch as well as Arkham city. But Arkham Knight was a, that was an ambitious move. And you know, it's in a lot of ways it did in a lot of ways it actually did work. But, and also in other ways it did not. And what they did was, and it was very obvious at this point, they rushed it. They rushed it and it felt like, and again, this is a WB, this is WB games MO. They often rush games out and then, you know, work on them as they arrive. I don't understand why they do that. Of course I kind of do. And I, we learned that, you know, they get pressured by shareholders, so they want to rush things out. At some point, you have to take control and say, like, tell the shareholders to chill because you guys are not 
you know, uh, you know, developers, you're not engineers, you're not designers. You don't understand how this works. You just care about the money aspect. Well, if you want the money, you damn sure better be patient. Look what Square Enix did. You know, Square Enix never rush. And when they come out, they get some of the best scores ever. I'm about to talk about that next week, guaranteed. Um, all their games have been like nothing short of masterpieces in every aspect, in every category, because they waited and, 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 and received a lot of money as a result. WB Games, it's like they're just all corporate, no substance. And that's a lot of industries. A lot of industries are just corporate people who don't understand art, doesn't understand how you know things really work. They just want things to happen when they want it to happen. And it's not that simple. Which means also I don't blame Rocksteady or any of these other companies that works under WB Games because they know better and we know better and they don't and, and the publishers don't. So they need to stop this. As a result, we did get a rush version of the game. The game, uh, the game has now received a patch update. Finally, we finally get a patch update for Batman Arkham Knight, the long awaited one. And it was eventually, and I said this a long time ago, I'm pretty sure I've said it in my previous interviews. I mean, my previous episodes, I should say that when this comes out and when this patch update comes out, it needs to be huge. It's this, there's a lot that needs to be, you know, done here. And it's going to take a lot more than this because the game already, you know, was already tw only 27 gigs, which is like half of what the original game was and i get it it's on a nintendo switch but that's still way less so it, i felt like there was a lot missing and you could tell because when you're traversing through gotham city there was a lot of lagging issues when you know he's gliding and jagged issues it was going to take a lot to upgrade this whole thing and then the visuals was a little bit great it, actually for those who haven't played arkham knight the 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 original one from playstation 4 the, the the game is grainy on both ends it's it's grainy that was the art style that they went for they went for this grainy art style they, they didn't make it um clear or whatever like that so they made it grainy so if it looks like that on a switch it looks like that on the actual deal even though it's a little bit more refined because you're using 1080p um you know on air and in the game is like i believe 720 on the handheld so it is going to be a little more grainy er but you can still see a lot of detail in it uh even before the patch but it was still like so grainy that it was hard to hard to see and hard to enjoy this new patch and as i knew it is now 16 it's a 16 gig patch and I heard somebody on, um, I watched one of the YouTube clips of somebody, I forgot what it was, but they said it was going to take them three hours to do that. I'm like, what, what internet service do you have? Nobody's internet service. If you got really good internet service, it's not going to take you three hours to upload 16 gigs. I think he's been in a bubble so long and don't realize that there is better internet service out there. I don't know. Some people live in areas where you can't get access to Verizon, Fios or Xfinity or whatnot. So I mean, I don't know but three hours. Uh, and then he's talking about an additional, you have to install it. So that's another hour. I'm like, no, nah, that's not it. My, my download, my 16 gig download literally took about 15 minutes <laughs> to download on here. So 
my man if you're listening if they if, if anybody knows what i'm talking about tell that dude he needs to get better service um but it patched up and yes you do there you know you do see it um 16 gigs was much needed for this game in addition to the 27 gigs during the game's day one release it uh making the file now the file size of 43.6 gigs this is appropriate and i've always said like we they can fit that they can fit the same amount of gig space that was on the playstation 4 on the nintendo switch like i don't understand why there wasn't well partly is because it feels like they rushed the game out and didn't you know process it and it took them this long to do it so i do believe there may be there should be another patch coming because i don't think it's i mean it it, it, it solved a lot but i think it, they, there could be a little bit more refining to it so far the game's visuals look slightly cleaner than it did before and that's it, it it's definitely noticeable uh especially even on handheld um than when it first arrived which you know is great uh, also there are signs of better stability and performance when traversing through gotham uh, so it, you know, it, it does feel like it's a little bit of normal, a uh, little bit better than before. However, the frame rate is still an issue as it only still runs in 30 frames per second and some portions of the game playthrough, it does drop a bit. So, you know, I don't really care entirely about frame rate until it drops below 30. That's a problem, especially for a game like this. Um, I it makes it hard because this game's really kind of it relies on fast pace and I you know I can handle 30 I can handle 30 frames per second I can enjoy 30 frames per second it shouldn't drop below that and there were signs that it was dropping below that um especially when you got all this stuff going on all these like guys coming at you all at once and it it, it still makes it not as fun as the other first two games but you know it's it's you know for what is worth it doesn't take away from the attributes and efforts that they put in getting this patch out so it is it is guaranteed much better than it was before um but if honestly if i had to pick between the three i um arkham city is my favorite among the bunch on the switch um arkham knight i mean uh arkham asylum be second and this one be third uh, I, I I just stopped playing it after a while because of the fact that it was going to end up crashing at some point. And I've heard nobody talk about crashes. The only thing I've heard people talk about was frame rate. Um, at the moment, some people have said that they like it does look better. You can tell the difference. Yes, you really can. But uh, the frame rate is still the issue in this case. But, you know, I, I will defend 30 frames per second. I can't defend 20 to some extent. So, um, yeah, again, it's 40 i believe last time i checked the, the actual playstation 4 you know uh, game file size is about in the 50s so i believe maybe like even 52 so which at the time i thought was like the biggest game that i've ever downloaded at some point so i mean there may still be a patch coming that we that will make it even better than it has before so they got this far it's playable i'm happy especially because I only pay 20 bucks per game for this thing. So I'm not really making a big deal out of it. It's not the end of the world. And, and not only that, I've, I've played so many other games prior to that, but it's good to be able to go back to that game and truly enjoy it for what it was, especially like if you're, if you've been hesitating to 
get Arkham, uh, you know, trilogy because of the comments that people have been saying about night. Uh, yeah, now is the time to check it out, especially if it's on sale. So, I mean, you can't, it, it, if it's on sale right now, it's already still just having these games on the switch in for 20 bucks per game. It's a still, it's a complete still if you even get it now. Uh, so go to anyway, check it out. And actually the, the trilogy itself is just a great, you know, thing to have on a go. I, I just, I really still enjoy the fact that you could do that. So go at it. All right, let's move on to some other really big news here. The Pokemon company announces a new Pokemon game coming soon. During the uh, Pokemon company's showcase, the company revealed Pokemon Legends ZA is in development. I don't know if that's actually gonna be the name, but that's, um, they're, they're calling it ZA right now. I don't know what that leads to, but look, it's a Pokemon Legends, which that's exciting me even more just because of my love for the uh, first one. This looks like to be a follow-up to the very successful legend, Ar the award-nominated Legends Ar Ar Arceus, mind you, um, which means it could be another open-world experience, and I hope that's the case because Legends Arceus, which um, <laughs> I believe came out the same year that, uh, let me, because it, it, this was the this was the funny thing about it. Let me type this up. Legends Arceus, here we go. Uh, if I remember correctly, that came out in 2022, early 2022, January 2022. And then no more than a few months later, they came out with, I believe, Scarlet and Violet. And that just felt rushed. And you could tell it was rushed because they, they, uh, think that game experienced a lot of rare issues that you would never see from the Pokemon company. And I think I believe that game is better now, but I it, it it took that much of a time to do it to the point I was like, nah, I'm not I'm not playing it. Maybe if it's on a big sale, maybe I'll jump on it. But Pokemon games don't normally go on sale. It's like Mario games; they don't normally put those games on sale at all. Like they they will always stay the same price on the eShop. So, and I'm not a physical copy person anyway. So that's you know that's a loss on them on my case big deal <laughs> but when i played pokemon legends Arceus, i thought that game was everything it was breath of the wild meets pokemon and i hope they do the same for this i really do because um i have high hopes for this game coming up and the, the settings for this game is said to be located in lumois city which is a city that's been celebrated in other pokemon games before um they're aiming for this release to be in 2025. And that's why this gives me hope because they're taking their time to bring this out. This is not a rush game. And I don't recommend the Pokemon company or Game Freak to start this this uh, trait of starting to rush Pokemon games out because now they expanded majorly from just doing, you know, Nintendo exclusive games to now doing mobile games and other you know aspects of course anime the anime series of course is you know the thing that has been known for as well um but honestly when it comes to the core console games for god's sakes leave that alone do not touch that whatsoever and you know i think they'll do great and this is like i said this is the square enix way of doing things now it's just coming out in 2025 and let it go from there 
don't announce anything else until we see actually gameplay footage or whatnot so this is awesome so i'm looking forward to this all right moving on i want to get my we're, we're moving into fighting games here one of my favorites i want to get my thoughts on peacemaker on mortal kombat one and ed who arrived finally arrived on street fighter 6 all in the same week mind you ha they're still competing so Let's start with Peacemaker. Um, you know, John Cena's Peacemaker made it to Mortal Kombat. And I, again, I love when they add, when NetherRealm adds guest characters, because you know why? They immerse them. They assimilate them into the world, into the universe that is Mortal Kombat. And they always make sense. Now, although I'm a little pissed off at John Cena right now, slightly pissed off because of his Howard Stern interview, where he kind of still backs up vince mcmahon and for some odd reason i think he you know he's in that bind you know vince mcmahon helped him out you know he he almost fired him at one point mind you uh but he gave him the opportunity yada yada but still dude he did some he did some ill stuff like at some point i agree with howard stern in that case but that's not the point i digress watch the howard stern interview i'm just saying um it's that's a whole weird situation but nonetheless i do love peacemaker I do love the character that he's portrayed and he is in rare form in this game and his move set is just hilarious. Um, the moves that they give him is so awesome. He has normal, you know, uh, gun, you know, projectile move. He has a, you know, he has pretty much a ramming move a la Raiden, a la, you know, uh, E Honda pretty much. Uh, he also has this move where he levitates up in the air and comes down with a flying elbow to the head so i mean there's a really they 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 have a lot of fun with him in there and then his um i love his fatality i haven't seen the second fatality only seen the first one the first one is you know an homage to the tv show because they have those alien butterflies that comes out of the, um that you know invades your body and takes over your body they play off of that in here where he basically you know one of those butterflies come out of the mouths of the people that you're facing and his stupid ass pretty much tries to shoot the um the uh, actual butterfly the alien butterfly i forgot what they were called on the show but he tries to shoot them but instead is just shooting you know he's this really heavy duty gauge barrel double barrel gauge weapon that he's uh, shooting he's missing the butterfly and its place is shooting the enemy and blowing parts of their body off at the same time when he finally he doesn't even finally get him he shoots the uh, your enemy or your opponent in the stomach just completely obliterating them and he finally the, the alien butterfly just lands on his um, gun and he grabs it and crushes it <laughs> and that's it it's it's classic peacemaker so I have not, like I said, I haven't uh, seen the second one yet, but I'm very much enjoying it. And then at the end, um, I don't want to spoil the ending, but they make sense of why he is in the Mortal Kombat universe. It makes total sense. I love this. This is the part. This is why this is the this is the credit I will give NetherRealm. When they are the they use guest characters better than anybody who's ever had guest characters in it. Like Bandai Namco needs to learn from this every time. They add a obscure guest character. They've not done it. it with the exception of Akuma, AKA Goki from Street Fighter, um, from the Street Fighter universe. They've only made sense out of him. 
they had since what they had Noctis, they had Negan from The Walking Dead, they had a few other people that were in there, and I don't even think they had endings. I don't, if I remember correctly, when you played them in arcade mode, they they didn't have story endings, they didn't have any of that. They just you just played as them, and that always infuriated me because it's like it just it makes no sense, and it just you didn't get how evolution of fighting games have happened. Like there, there people are you know investing more and adding narrative to everything that they do and character development to everything they do in fighting games. And like, I feel like Bandai Namco missed the ball on this. Um, Capcom also have missed the ball on this years ago when they came out with, you know, fighting games and in, 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 in a time where there were more production value being done in fighting games. Like NetherRealm has really stepped the game up when they started adding these elaborate cinematic Hollywood like story modes to fighting games. We saw that with Mortal Kombat 9. We saw that with Injustice. We it really actually it really started with DC versus Mortal Kombat Universe. Um DC Universe versus Mortal Kombat, I should say. And that was the first time we really saw a very elaborate cinematic story mode and story campaign in fighting games is when they did it. And then people started catching on. We did see Bandai Namco start doing their version of that but then it was capcom who would come out with uh what it was uh marvel versus capcom 3 which was an awesome fun game but it was so shallow it was it completely shallow at the time and it wasn't until mortal uh marvel versus capcom infinite they really they they finally got it together they finally realized like okay now we got to step it up with that said it was a slow burn because it wasn't the best story mode anybody's ever seen but then they would you know then begin to keep doing it with street fighter uh five and then street fighter four came out too and they did the same thing but luckily street fighter four got a pass because it revitalized the fighting game genre period which allowed netherrealm to do what they do and you know stuff like that so um shout out to yoshinori ono for that one uh but in all honesty like they needed to step up and when street fighter 5 came out we got and we eventually would get the main story mode which was the shadow falls uh story mode and which helped that game greatly because it was very hollow and people was aching and i i had the interviews i had with uh kyle Aber when we were talking about that well slightly talking about that because during when he was on the show they were the game came out, but there was rumors that a story mode was coming out and he couldn't say it because he's Ryu. He's in the game. He had an NDA. He couldn't talk about it, even though we kind of knew that this was happening. And eventually it did. Um, I'm hoping again, I'm hoping the same thing happens with Street Fighter 6 because I've said it many a times. It desperately needs an elaborate story being told, especially about how Ken, um, how Ken's, uh, how Ken was set up. You know, I'm still, well, I still want to see that through and how, you know, John Paul, you know, screwed him over and what that's about, you know? So I'm hoping, still hoping that something will come from there, but I love what they did, what they constantly do. You know, they another realm, and I'm speaking another realm in terms of that. I mean, we seen what they did with many great characters, Spawn, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Scorpion, 
Sub-Zero, like everybody who's um, come into a particular universe, whether it be DC or Mortal Kombat, they had reason and purpose for them. When you see the ending of Peacemaker, it all makes sense. And I love the ending because they made sense of how he ended up fighting in, in the universe of Mortal Kombat. And it, it was awesome. It, I love, I absolutely love it. So then we have Ed from Street Fighter Six. Ed is a character based around Street Fighter Five. Was he in Street Fighter Four? I think he was. I think he started in Street Fighter Four. Was his debut? Let me look this up. Um, Ed from Street Fighter. Not Ed Sherry. Damn it. <laughs> uh, let me see when he debuted. I think he came in, I have reasonably he came in in Street Fighter 4, but he may have really came out on Street Fighter 5. Let me see. Did they even, did this wiki even tell? Yes, okay. So yeah, he he did arrive in Street Fighter 4. And he first uh, premiered in that because he became Balrog's uh, protege, if you will. But he also was one of... Uh, he was supposed to be slated for one of Bison's vessels, if you will, and because he he can acquire the uh, the psycho power, and turns out Balrog, you know, kind of hid him away from you know Bison, and started training him himself. You know, took him under his wing. I, it was funny because it was you know Ed is kind of like Star Killer from you know the for you know Star Wars the Force Unleashed. You know, it was the same thing. Darth Vader, he found out that there was a kid who had the, you know, had a great power of the force or the dark side, if you will. And he wanted to use him and train him to be able to take over, to take, uh, take out the emperor. And that was the storyline of the force unleashed. This is kind of the same thing. He's kind of in that same realm. And, but he was also seen in street fighter five, the shadow falls and all that stuff too. So we got the chance to see, you know, the continuing fleshing out of that you know, B story of Balrog and Ed from that point. And then we see him here in Street Fighter Six, where he has now become his own person. Uh, Balrog is not seen yet in the Street Fighter Six uh, storyline, uh, but we are now seeing him there. And the story with him is basically he's on his own. He wants to, you know, make his own decisions and everything. But his move in terms of you know, the thing I did like about Street Fighter Six is that there was a a, 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 a lot of evolution in, in the character development of all the characters, whether visually, aesthetically, or even in their, in their move sets. This is no different. I was okay. I was, I was okay with the Ed character in, you know, Street Fighter Four and Street Fighter uh, Five, but he's really, I feel like he's really developed. They really developed him and he's evolved majorly in Street Fighter 6. I love his moveset. I love his abilities. He's a lot more fun to play this time around than he was prior to. I I, I can play with his character. I won't say he would be my main character because Ryu will always be my main. He's the most balanced character in the entire deal. Um, I don't have to do combos with, with uh, you know, Ryu. It's all about timing with Ryu. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy his moveset. I love the fact that he now has a projectile. He's using, he knows how to use his cycle power, you know, progressively now. Uh, and it's awesome. And his, and his supers and everything is great too. So 
And I like the fact that they're developing this story that he's, you know, there's this new regime that's coming out. I won't spoil whatever's going on with that. I'll let you decide if you haven't played them yet. Um, but this new regime that he's being a part of and maybe again, if they have a fleshed out story mode, we can see the further development of these characters as well. So we'll see. Uh, so both of them, both Mortal Kombat 1 and Street Fighter 6 got something new for you. If you got both of those games, go back on and check it out. You know, they, they both are a lot of fun equally, mind you. Uh, I, I didn't see, I would just say I enjoyed story, story wise. I enjoyed Peacemaker's story much better in this case, but two enjoyable games for you to check out. So there you have it. All right. Unfortunately, the last thing I'm going to talk about, uh, it, it's bitter, it's bittersweet, sad news. Not even bittersweet. That's not even an appropriate word. It's just sad news overall. But Sony has recently laid off uh, staff from multiple development companies. According to IGN, Sony announced that they laid off around 8% of their global PlayStation workforce, affecting close to 900 staff members spanning from your favorite developer groups such as Insomniac, which is really heartbreaking, uh, Naughty Dog, and uh, also heartbreaking Gorilla Fires uh, Fires Right, and PlayStation's London studio. SIO, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan update uh, gave an update saying the following. We have made the extremely hard decision to announce our plan to commerce, uh, oh, sorry, to commence a reduction of an, of our overall headcount globally by about 8% or about 900 people. Subject to local law and consultation processes, Ryan said, employees across the globe, including our studios, are impacted. Never truly gave a reason as to why they needed to do that. You know, and, and this is the part I hate about corporate is because when they do it, and, and this is something that they, this is something that all of us have been conditioned to do, which is unfortunately sad is because when, when there's corporate talk, corporate talk is a professional way of saying beating around the bush to tell you exact, to not really truly tell you what, why they did what they did. Because if you told it in a way that people can truly understand without having to articulate it so thoroughly you know what i'm saying if you talk if you if you said it in the context of like you're just talking to somebody at a bar or hangout or you know or, or with a friend it would come out way different than how they have to explain it professionally or from a corporate standpoint um it never truly explains it never truly is as direct or transparent as it could be but from a legal standpoint they can't say what they truly want to say in these things so they have to be they have to articulate it in a way that it won't completely put them in a bad end this is kind of one of those situations but we've been groomed conditioned if you will to do it this way and it's sad because it's like you don't want to take full blame but you got to explain the situation of why you did it but not in the way that you can because you know if you do it in the way that you can you might say something wrong so or something that you don't want people to really know even though eventually you know if you do your research you'll learn why this happened a lot in a lot of ways so we'll see insomniac posted a message in support of the staff that was let go 
uh, in hopes to find ways to seek other opportunities for them. They posted this, uh, this message saying like several other teams across SIE, uh, SIE and PlayStation studios and Soundnet games was impacted by yesterday's layoffs. There are no sufficient words to express our feelings about it. This is a solemn and unprecedented moment for our studio. We are focusing our energy on helping everyone affected through this challenge, uh, for, through this challenging time for those who are hiring. There are great people seeking new roles who are who have made important contributions to Insomniac's history. We are extremely grateful for them and they will be missed. That was uh, according to um, Insomniac Studios, who are all in solidarity right now at this time. And it was I've never seen a company really do this. Um, I personally never seen a company ever do this. This may have happened with other companies before because this is not the first development company that have um you know layoffs and stuff like this but this was this felt like really sincere and for some games because it wasn't them it wasn't they weren't the ones that were doing the layoffs it was sony interactive entertainment that did this uh they are under the umbrella of sony interactive entertainment so if it was up to them that same team that created spider-man one and two and miles morales and ratchet and clank and all that those guys would stayed because they made some great games, but this is the unfortunate nature of corporate, uh, companies and the industry itself. And I wish the best of everybody who did, who was impacted by this, everybody, not just the people who were laid off, but the people who lost friends in this whole entire thing through their journey. You know, when you're working together, you're developing a kinship you're you know you're expecting or hoping to work with people for a very long time and you grow a friendship a bond a partnership uh you know a team environment that has created some memorable things and then all of a sudden this this hits um as a person who worked for corporate i've seen this happen before luckily for me i saw the signs and i decided to bail which is why in 2015 I left and me and my wife started venturing to do our own things and invested in ourselves and took the risk and never looked back because we saw the signs when they started talking about, when he started talking about things like merging and acquiring and merging companies, you best believe the established people and established staff in there need to be worried because that always leads to some type of cut, some type of budgeting going on and you know what's even the worst part about that is that it usually happens when it doesn't need to happen when you see it, it's it you know a lot of people say it as greed and I, it's hard to not argue that because when you see how much a company makes they're making enough money that they can keep some of these some of these companies some aren't but there are some companies that make so much money billions that they can afford to keep these people, but they want to have, they want it. They want more money. And that's just the sad part. I will give you a big example of this. Cause I'm going to say, I'm going to transition into wrestling WWE, a multi billion dollar company, even bigger to this day will still cut people off. Oh, remember the pandemic? 
Remember that? <laughs> People forget. People forget this. WWE. During the Vince era. I can't speak for what's about to happen with TKO. That's all. There's a new book and a new chapter based on an old brand. So we can't speak for a TKO tenure at, with WWE. But during the Vince McMahon era, when he solely owned the company, when he was majority shareholder, and they were making billions off of contracts from Fox, from NBC, a la Peacock, they were making billions. And they still are. They just got a $5 billion contract with Netflix. During the pandemic, the TKO got that contract, mind you, not Vince. But Vince, I believe, was he was a part of that deal before all of the um, allegations and him re resigning or them kicking him out, you know. Um, they, they had billions during the pandemic when a lot of people were suffering, when a lot of people were dying. A lot of people were going through a lot of mental trial and tribulation. They were making billions. Even without having crowds in arenas. They could afford to actually put in a arena with monitors and screens that can see people at home spectating their events. Go back and watch it. If you're a wrestling fan, go back and watch it. That's how much money they had. You know what they did in, in during the pandemic? They laid off wrestlers. They rated they laid off talent. Um, talent wrestlers, same thing. They laid off the actual staff when they didn't have to. This was also during the time when AEW came out in 2019. And then in 2020, they had the pandemic. To Tony Khan's credit, say what you will about him now, these days, but during a pandemic, he didn't fire one damn person. He, in fact, was hiring people during a pandemic. Him and his father are filthy rich, and they knew. It was like, they, they want to show you that they are the alternative. And they also want to show you that they got some heart. And they never, they, they did more hiring in the, during the pandemic than they did ever did fire. They fired, they like, they let people go like years later after this. Um, and always for significant reasons, but man, uh, that was rough. So it always boggles me when certain people, I'm sorry, certain companies do stuff like this. It, it just, it, you know, it's so sad. It's so easy for us to talk about this too and say like how bad it is. Matt. Man, will we be any of the same if we had that much money? Because money do change the mind. I will definitely say even the littlest of amount, like even if you get like 10 grand or 20 grand or 30 grand or whatever like that, if you got that in your possession all of a sudden, money, whether it be brief or not, money changed the mind and some only a few people can maneuver over the mindset of money 
would we be the same? And you, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Um, but man, it's just, I, I always hate to see that when you know you're making more than enough money. And if you're not, I understand if, if the company has fell to a point that they're not able to be able to, you know, acquire as many people as they can. I understand it. People understand that, you know, money has not been made, so they can't afford to do it. They got to cut. They got to make some cuts. That's one thing. But if you're making money, if you're making like billions of billions of dollars, you're not going to try to convince me that you can't afford to keep as many of those because once you hit the billions, like the world is your oyster at this point. So, you know, again, I wish all the best in the future endeavors of all of those that have been impacted during this time for those. And this is why I also I value indie development because as indie developers like the gentle brothers and yacht club games and way forward and all those other guys that have worked for these bigger companies that decided to like, look, I want to do my own thing. I want to make my money my own way. I want to be my own creative. I want to have creative Liberty and do my own thing. Shout out to all the indie developers out there that, you know, have been through that and said like, screw it. I'm not giving up on what I love and I'm still doing it right there. So I wish everybody the best in this measure. And hopefully there will be a new chapter for you all. Please stay strong and stay with it. Folks, that will do it for this part of the show. We're going to take a break, come back and I will review Fate Stay Remnant and give you tell you why this is the one you need to check out. And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Hebert, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time live.com talktomlive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktomlive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg talk time live have reached the final stage of this program and i am here to review fate samurai remnant uh a game developed by omega force and koi shibo sawa if i'm pronouncing that right published by koi tecmo and it is a action rpg this is not your normal fate stay universe they went back in time with this one but still doing the fate stay storyline uh i've played fate stay games for quite some time, dating back to the PlayStation Portable, uh, because my, my first introduction into this series was in fact, it was, uh, what, the, the Capcom fighting game that came out and people were extremely excited about the fact that a 
fighting game based on this series was out. This is based on a novel. Uh, if anybody have never played this before, I can relate this if maybe possibly because I may be dating myself because they haven't rebooted this movie yet. But if any of you ever played the uh, watched the movie or, or TV series Highlander, this is kind of what this is. Highlander was a show about a bunch of immortals that have lived for a long time, but their so their main goal was to face each other in order to gain each other's power. Now, if every the rules stated, if every single mortal died and there was only one left, that the gathering would come and, and, and they would you know, acquire all the powers, making them the most powerful mortal in the universe and the most powerful man in the, in the world. But you had to take off the heads of each person in order to get their power. Um, otherwise, that was the only way you could kill an immortal. Otherwise, they will be around forever. And they could also sense each other's when each other are around. And if they are near each other, they are destined to fight. There is nothing. They they were destined to fight. There are also these watchers that would chronicle all of the events that happened throughout the entire world, throughout history. And here too is a really awesome thing. Now, I, I, everybody thinks that there's going to be a, a reboot to this coming soon. And I hope it is. I've, um, Henry Cavill has been, you know, said to be possibly and i think that's a great 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 actor to play uh i'm a cloud um if they're choosing to do the mcleod storyline but i digress in this case this is anime's version of highlander to me um you have basically you you're you're become a your master who inherits the uh, right to have a servant the servants are the ones that fight for you and protect you throughout this whole entire competition for the Holy Grail, which grants you any wish that you want. So these servants are basically warriors from the past that have um, acquired, you know, their souls have, in, in, you know, uh, reincarnated into different vessels. And their job is to protect the, their masters. Um, they defeat the servants, but also having to defeat the masters as well. And again, there can be only one and if that person will get that wish and that's what happens fate samurai remnant is based on a the past of this so this is the first time that they've gone so when i played this game i enjoyed the capcom fighting game back in the day on the ps uh portable or the psp mind you and then later on they started making more of these games the last game that i played which was around seven years ago was fate Estella the umbra star and this basically um was in 2000 and um was in 2016 it, it released in november 10th of 2016 i believe and that was basically your running a mill fight a hack and slash beat em up type of game uh very very similar to that of dynasty warrior however it was a very hollow game i actually recently bought it for the nintendo switch thinking like let me play this again see if i actually missing something here i did not it just wasn't a fun game to play um it had some good things about it but it at the end of the day it just fell off and i just felt like they were just cheaply you know banking on the name fate stay because there are fans out there who like it but didn't really put too much emphasis on it and it just became stale after a while um the gameplay was I mean, it's like it's just a pick up and play fighting game, but it, you're you don't fully really invested in it. The art, the character models were great, um, the visuals were great, but the story just 
fell off. The dialogue was was not as good. It didn't feel like you were totally invested. It was like dialogues, you know, cutscene dialogue, fight, wrench, rush, repeat, and it just it it just really didn't do anything for me. Um, and it just became bland after a while. So I opted out of playing future Fate Stay games because I figured like this is the road that they're going now, and that was it. For some reason something drew me to this game and i was like okay this is obviously a fate game this is a this is a, definitely a fate game i don't know if i want to go through it but then i watched the trailer and i was like something's different about this one something is really really different about this one and i looked at it i'm like this is a little bit this looks a little bit more cinematic this looks like it's really putting in something to this and they did so i i got it i played it I kept playing it. I actually started to enjoy it. There was a lot of cinematic aspect to this. There was, it felt, didn't feel like a dynasty warrior game. This felt like your open RPG experience. You know, this was more of an action RPG and an open RPG type experience where you're just traversing through villages and stages and you're talking with people. There's a community there, there, you know, there's actually, you know, an environment there. There's, there's a world that you're entering in. Whereas the other, the, the, um, the other previous games, the Estella, the Estella games, they were just, they, there was no personality to them. It was just, it was, it was just cookie cutter at best. There was no per, there was, there was no essence to it. There was no soul or substance to that. There is much substance to this game that I really enjoyed. It really felt, they really felt like they, they, there was a big investment to it and it felt like they got it. They understood they needed to change. They needed to invest more and make this an experience that they have. I mean, the anime, the anime series is really good. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're really, you know, great to have. Now let's bring that anime experience, the anime series experience and that anime cinematic feel to the video game. And that's what I feel like they did here. Um, we're going to, as always, we're going to talk story. We're going to talk, um, we're going to bring up a lot of things, um, from story to, you know, basically give me a sec. I got to get my grading system up. Here we go. 2024 grading system. So all grading will be based on originality, presentation, sound, music, gameplay, fun factor, replay value, actor performances, and of course story. So let's start with the story here. And I, I, basically the story is roughly the same when, um, you know, it, it tells the same story as all of them, but I'll read it all from the website. The fourth year of the Kayan, uh, Kayan era Edo period. It, uh, has been, has been several decades since the end of the, of a turbulent blood soaked era. People were enjoying peace and tranquility, but a battle between seven pairs of masters and servants is about to begin as the waxing moon ritual unfolds in the shadows. Miyamoto Iori, the young man from Asuka or Akusa, finds himself caught in the violence of a holy grail war. Plain and simple, it's the same thing, just in a different era, um, which I like. I, I, like I said, this is, and I, for some reason, there's only seven. 
it's never more than just like seven you know masters and servers that are competing for this i want them to add more to this like give us 12 at least makes it you know gives us more actually there may be more coming because this game also has an expansion pack there's a, a bundle pack that is including some more stories that are uh, set to arrive um actually what is one that's available now that i would when i bought this i didn't get the season pass because I didn't know if I was gonna actually like this game or not. And I can safely say that I'm getting the season pass. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Um, that's how good this is. And my hesitance was based off of prior fake games. Um, they've convinced me enough that I, I'm, I'm intrigued about my, you know, the experience with this too. Oh yes, I forgot to mention this too. Um, and I, I gotta make sure to mention this when we talk about the presentation and everything too. But um, in terms of originality, I really enjoy this. It, action RPG meets Dynasty. There, is, there are still some Dynasty Warrior elements, but it's more like more like action RPG elements in here uh, or RPG elements to it as well. More than just hack and slash, they also provide in a dynamic way of being able to play as your main character, but also play with the servant characters as well. There's a lot of team up attacks and everything and everything. We'll talk about that more, but just being able to explore open platform environments of the Edo period villages and such like that, um, being able to go through stores and, you know, going to talk into the community and all this stuff and during side missions and everything, it's, it, it, it's more engaging It's more immersed, um, very immersive this time around something that was so lacking and so shallow and hollow in the previous fate games that I've played. Um, then on top of that, there's this other mode, like a, which is like a, a spirit font conflict play. It's an innovative strategy base mode where you work your way around the ley lines to defeat enemies and, and traverse through, you know, towns faster. I really enjoyed that part. Um, I don't know how I keep, or am able to beat it because it's, it's, a, it's slightly complex, but not too complex that you can't understand it. And it plays almost like chess or checkers to that matter, or Chinese checkers to that matter, has that type of Chinese checker type, you know, gameplay format in there. So with, with different types of ways to play and strategies that you could go through, it's, it's engaging. And I really do enjoy that part in terms of visual presentation, really major improvement from the, uh, from past fate titles. Again, very cinematic and story driven presentation that uh, performs like an episodic anime series. Um, and I think that's what's been missing from these fake games. If they do more like this, I am going to be getting more fake games from this point on. Beautiful character design and stages that captures the Edo period and era. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed everything about it. It's what kept me going in this. It, it's just, it even, even the fact that like it was in complete like Japanese voiceover, I was fine with it. I was absolutely fine with it. So. I, I was more engaged to, and the dialogue wasn't it completely, completely overbearing, but it was enough to like, get me interested in what they were, you know, the story and everything too. Sound of music, a pleasant and peaceful, um, theatrical score that really captures that era. Uh, so I really enjoyed that the gameplay. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's fun and easy to play, uh, the battle system, uh, that is pretty much 
a mix of Dynasty Warrior and RP and other action RPG styles. But um, you know, basically you hack and slash enemies and also seek help from your servants who has a variety of powerful techniques of their own. Um, you will also have an opportunity to use team attacks and even play the role as the servants themselves. Of course, like any action RPG game, uh, Fate Samurai Remnant has a skill tree to help upgrade their skills and abilities as well. When it comes to fun factor, this may be the deepest fate game I've ever played, bar none. Uh, it is fully fleshed out with character direction and story progressions, unlike any of the fate games of the past. So I really enjoyed that, which brings to the replay value. After playing this game, like I said, I just kind of revealed it right there. I'm going to invest up down the line. I'm going to invest in getting the uh, season pass where I can, you know, check out their new story mode, which is available now, mind you. So the new story mode has a, an entirely new story uh, called Kian's Command Championships as a tournament. And that, that really drew me in when I saw the trailer to that. There's a tournament that is you know, being involved that is going to involve all of the masters and servants as well. Maybe even some new characters too. Um, when it comes to, and then going back to the presentation as well, I did miss out saying one thing. Um, you can also, there's RPG elements in here that allows you to upgrade, you know, your weapons, uh, Iori Miyamoto's uh, weapons, his swords can be modified and customized throughout the entire uh, game. You could get new, you know, equipment to strengthen your swords, new designs, all that stuff. It's really beautifully done. There's some beautiful sword designs and holds and everything in there. It's really cool um, how they put it together. So that also led to the replay value as well. So, you know, safe to say, you know, I, don't, I won't instantly come back to it, but I will definitely come back and want to, you know, play through certain aspects that I didn't before or replay the game again. It is that much enjoyable that I would definitely say I will come back to and enjoy it whenever they do have another DLC pack from the season pass, I will jump on that as well. So, um, yeah, it, this was a really good game in terms of actor performances. I, it's unfortunate. I, because I don't, I'm not fluid in Japanese. I can't really say whether this is good or not. Um, I can only give it a fair deal, but I did enjoy the the context of how they were speaking. I can only go by that. I, I, I can easily say like, yes, they have voice acting in there, but I can't because I'm not fluent in Japanese at all. It's hard for me to really give a fair critique. So at best, I'm going to give this a 75% at best. And I think I, it's fortunate because I think I gave 50% on another. Um, I, it's hard for me to really weigh out what, how can I tell whether it, maybe I can find somebody who you know, is Japanese or fluent in Japanese and maybe can, you know, make me understand how I can detect whether a performance is good in Japan, but it's hard for me that I can't, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to just fairly give them a, uh, you know, a, a grade, just maybe 75 or 50, whatever like that, maybe 75, um, just based off of the idea that, you know, it, they do have voice acting in here and it may be good it sounded good but it's hard for me to really tell um i really hate when i have to grade japanese only uh voice acting because you know this is the part of the anime uppity community i don't like they will love something even though they have no knowledge 
of whether it's good or not. And guess what, folks? Japanese actors in Japan, um, actors in Japan can be just as bad as actors in America. And we won't know you're you're being pretentious only because it's in Japanese, slightly racist, maybe, but definitely pretentious in this case it's like, how can, how do you know if it's good? How do you know for all we know? Yes. Everybody loves, you know, the voice of Goku in Japan. Everybody loves the voice of Naruto in Japan outside of that, or even, or even, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho or whatnot, or one piece or whatever outside of those, how do you know everybody else is great? It, it just, it just because it's from Japan doesn't make the automatic, automatic, uh, I'm sorry, automatically great. Just doesn't, it just does not. So I would love to, and, and I, and I had that episode and I think I still have that episode. You can find where I talk to, um, a person, unfortunately, I don't know. I haven't seen, uh, talk with her there in quite some time, especially when the, because the old, um, ACMG Facebook group was hacked into and it's no longer there. Um, but I, you could check, definitely check that, uh, interview out, uh, or the guest appearance that I had with somebody who is Japanese. And they were saying like, not every, every person, every actor in Japan is great. There's some that they felt because they're bilingual. They, there were some, they felt like was in America was better, you know? Um, it's just, that's just it. So it's hard for me to grade, you know, actor performances from Japan. Cause I just don't know. But I, I like to give a fair grade that it sounds like they it's connecting, it's fluid, you know, it, it, it just, you know, working together, but it's unfortunate. I can't, um, maybe I shouldn't give a grade at all at, at this case because I just don't know, but I can only go by, you know, American performances and how they sound, you know, through these as well. So I like to, I like, I try to be as fair as possible with that, you know, and nobody, nobody, unless they are fluent in Jap in Japanese should be given a hundred percent score or a for, for actor performances. Cause they have no idea unless they can tell us themselves or unless they are from Japan. It's just, it just can't. So, all right. Overall, let's go by, let's go to write a complete score here. Originality. I gave it an 80% cause it, it is a above average action RPG for this particular series. So 80% I gave it presentation, hundred percent really enjoyed, um, the visuals and aesthetics and everything from it and the color palette and all that stuff, uh, that was in here very, very much to the feudal Japan Edo period as well. Love that. Um, sound and music worked really well. So I gave that a hundred gameplay also a hundred fun factor, a hundred replay value 85, because it's not, even though I said I was going to go back and play it, it's not going to be like an instant. There are some games that I would instantly go back and play because they were that damn good. I can tell you, I played Spider-Man two, probably about two times already. And uh, you know, even before the new game plus has come out, uh, and when a new game plus come out, I'm gonna play it again. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so replay value 85%. And then of course I said, I was going to play the, uh, I was going to invest in the season pass as well. Eventually. Uh, active performances, I gave, I, I'm giving 50, I'm giving 50 for this, um, and story a hundred because I enjoyed the story very much. This gives it a final score of 357.5 with an 89.4 percentile. And that just equates to a B plus. So this to me is a winner. It was one of the best fake games I've ever played. And I would highly recommend this 
to anybody who was interested in this game but didn't know this is going to be good this this is above average good this is more than good this is really really good um and a lot of fun to play so go out of your way check it out it's available now it was on sale and that, i think that's another reason why i ended up getting it is because it was on sale to an extent so i did jump on it and i'm glad i did because now i'm into everything that this is involving and uh it was a lot of fun so go out of your way check it out folks that will do it for this edition of select start <laughs> of course you know what next couple of weeks have you heard me on all uh aeg aka um all elite geekly you know what's about to happen uh next week i'm giving my thorough critique of final fantasy 7 rebirth don't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious on that one but we'll enjoy talking about it just the same however next week is also i, I need to i'm rushing gonna be rushing from this point on to play final fantasy 7 and hopefully beating this game as quickly as can before next week because also next week the arrival of wwe 2k 24 is coming and let me tell you if you heard all elite geekly you understand how excited me and boris is about this game because this significantly significantly this game is going to be legendary because not only just because of what's involved but the significance this is the first game owned by tko that is being released this is the first game ever that will not involve vince mcmahon or brock lesnar as playable characters more or less vince mcmahon because brock lesnar has not been on every game Vince McMahon, I believe, may have. Um, so in some form or fashion. So this is a sick from years on in, 2K24 will be a very significant game in a bunch in history of wrestling games, but in particular WWE games. So we're gonna be doing our door view, uh, talk time live cross uh Sunday night's main event, where we'll be doing a duel. A, a, a simultaneous a uh, review, if you will, myself and Boris Roberto Aguilar of Sunday night's main event on TSN radio and news talk. will be on with me to review and give our thoughts this year again on talk time um, on um, WWE 2K24. So stay tuned for that. There will be a video exclusive as well as a audio exclusive. So get ready. That is coming. And um, yeah, is it's going to be a major freak week as we count down to wrestlemania week here in philly which is gonna be insane. this sunday i had no idea what i was going to do in terms of what i was going to talk about but we're not going to review anything but i'm going to talk about the state we're going to talk about the state of uh, street, uh streaming apps right now because i am subscribed to quite a few and i know every one of every, every one um a lot of you out there don't have probably nearly as much many as streaming networks as I do. Um, but I, I watch a fair share amount of them to the point that I can say what would probably be worth getting and what is not at this point. So we're going to look at the Netflixes, the Amazon primes, the Hulu's Disney pluses, all that, um, and give you an idea, like what I think, like, you know, is it worth it these days? Cause these they're charging a lot and they're asking for a lot. 
and they're providing a lot. Some of them are, are, you know, which one is worth your, your money? Which one is worth the investment? Uh, again, at the end of the day, it's all subjective, but if you're looking for particular, you know, streaming apps that provide certain types of content that you're looking for, say like Crunchyroll with anime and stuff like that, you know, we're going to have that talk. Cause you know, I, I can, I got to say in this, so well, that will be the, the talk topic of, you know, Sunday from there, which is also AEW revolution. And I will not only be watching, I will also be joining Boris for the uh, Sunday night's main event, AEW Revolution after party immediately after AEW Revolution. And we will be live streaming on multiple platforms as we give our thoughts on the pay-per-view, probably one of the best pay-per-views of AEW's year, let alone could be a, a pay-per-view of the year for wrestling period. So um, we are going to be giving our thoughts on that on live stream immediately after AEW revolution comes out and hopefully it comes out in our favor for a certain person so we'll see folks if you like this episode and every episode of acmg presents talk time live you could check all of us out on talktimelive.com the official website for the podcast you can check out all of our audio episodes our video exclusives some great content in our blog section media section that consists of my 2021 uh panels with the uh with many of your favorite anime uh cast we're talking bleach we're talking um my hero academia we're talking um sailor moon uh jesus christ they are all there um that time i got reincarnated out as a slime 2021 was a great year a great year for me in terms of being a moderator um you know it, it was great and always i'm always always grateful for what repop has done um you know for me and uh in terms of that and it was just great experience you can check all that there and uh just some great 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 panels there as well and if you are a fan of listening to podcasts rather during the workday in the office or even on the road you can subscribe and download it to us in our all your favorite platforms that's including spotify iHeartRadio. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, you name it, we are there. Just type in ACMG Presents Talk Time Live on the search engines and we will pop up. So again, thank you guys again and that'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and I will talk to you guys on the Prime Show. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.